right, well, I'm going to walk us through three segments of prayer is what it's going to look like this morning. And uh, you'll be guided through those times, and then someone will come and kind of close each one of those times in a word of prayer. And if you want to follow along in your Bible, we're going to, with each segment, look into a portion of Scripture to prepare our hearts for the time of prayer and respond to God's Word in prayer. So if you want to look at the first one, it's going to be Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 through 38. We're going to look there briefly this morning. You can go ahead and turn there. If not, the words will be on the screen. But here's my question for you going into segment number one before we pray is this. How do you see? How do you see? You say, Pastor Mike, I I see with my eyes. What are you talking about? And what I'm talking about in particular is... If we're going to live every moment on mission and really take that seriously, it's going to involve the way we see everyone around us. It's going to involve a real hardship for some of us, me included sometimes, the way I see that coworker, the way I see that neighbor who really plays loud music when it's very annoying, or how I see that classmate that's different than me and acts different than me and really bothers me or it's going to involve that we see differently that family member who is is just different and strange and odd and it's really that that can't be my mission field lord that can't be the people that you're calling me to to be a witness to it might change the way you see that person who has grown up in church their whole life and they hold on to some real weak view of salvation and what they have is religiosity. They don't have the new birth that's Christ in them and the fruit that comes from that and a new life. It's going to involve at the very beginning, and this is our first segment, how you see the people around you, particularly those that God has planted you in the middle of to be a witness. God is in control of your days, of your months, of your years, of your job, of where you live, of where He's planted you, of your neighborhood, and you're not there by chance. There's no chance encounters. God has brought people into your life so that they can hear what you have, the transforming power of Christ in you. Jesus seemed to have this in mind. The Bible seems to have this in mind in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. The writer Matthew writes about Jesus. Go ahead and put that up on the screen. I'll just read this to us this morning. It says, when he, Jesus, saw the crowds. That's massive because Jesus is walking among the crowds. He's surrounded by religious people. He's walking among the tax collectors. He's walking among those that have the label of sinners. He's walking among all these people. How did he see them? This is so practical for you and me. How do we see those people around us? Well, the Bible says when he saw the crowds, he, Jesus, had compassion for them. Circle that word compassion. That's a powerful word in your Bible. That means that when Jesus walked by the person, the, maybe the person that you have in mind at your workplace or that neighbor or whoever it is that you're pretty sure does not have a relationship with Christ, he literally felt something. The word compassion is it has to do with your inward parts, so to speak. They, they ached in him because he felt a legitimate compassion for people that did not know his father. Now, the word compassion here is very, very different from the word pity. 
we sometimes think pity. We, we see somebody and we say, oh, poor old sap, poor old soul. I, you know, I hope somebody does something. I hope somebody helps them. <laughs> That's pity. Compassion is this. You see the situation and you are moved to action because of such an inward compulsion, the Spirit of God in us. The Spirit of Jesus in us that causes us to see people different, see people around us, even though they may talk different, look different, smell different, they are different, to have a compassion like Jesus had. He says, because they were harassed, they were helpless, they were like sheep without a shepherd. New American Standard says they were distressed, they were downtrodden, whatever, you, whatever word you want to use there. They were people who were just worn out, particularly in that day, it was the people who had been chasing a religion that didn't save They'd been led around by the Pharisees and teaching a works-based religion of if you can be good enough, if you can do good enough, and they were worn out. That's particularly who Jesus is talking to, but also definitely involves those that are around us that have this emptiness inside of them that only Jesus can fill. And you've got it. We carry it, the message of Christ. Like sheep without a shepherd, verse 37, and then he said to his disciples, guys, come here, I've got to tell you something. The harvest is plentiful. He looked on the crowds and he saw a harvest field of those that the Father was drawing to himself, those that God was going to save. He got to be a part of it. His disciples got to be a part of it. He said the harvest is plentiful. God is still saving. And I just have to be honest with you. Sometimes I have people in my life and I have to be reminded, God, you can save this person. Because I think this person is so far gone. Or this person is so, you, you just fill in the blank. He says, the harvest is plentiful. God is moving in the lives of people, drawing men and women to himself. We get to be a part of it, but the laborers are few. God doesn't need us. He chooses to use us. He's planted you where you're planted with a mission, with a message. Therefore, verse 38, he says to his disciples, pray. That's what we're doing this morning. Pray for what? Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest. Who's that? Jesus, the Father, to send out laborers into his harvest. There's nothing wrong with the harvest. It's broken because of sin, but God is bringing in a harvest. What we want to do is, Lord, let us see. And I hope this doesn't sound like religious talk, and I hope this is not just a perfunctory exercise. I'm at church this morning. We are believing and praying for you and for me and for our church. God, do not let us become so religious or so unto ourselves that we don't see people around us like you see them. And maybe even right now, a face or a name is coming to your mind. And maybe for the first time, you are having this sense from the Spirit of God within you that gives you a sense of compassion and caring for that person. I pray that's happening in this room. I pray it happens in my life. So what we're going to do is we're going to pray together. And we're going to ask God, give us your heart to see the people around us like you see them. Give us a heart of brokenness, a heart of compassion, that we are moved to action with the message of the gospel that we carry. So I want to invite you now to kind of, again, you may want to break up in groups as families, as couples. You may want to pray by yourself. I invite you to pray out loud. You may want to pray silently. You may just want to kind of want to watch and take it all in. But we as a church family are going to pray and we're going to cry out to God to do something in our hearts. So this is our first segment. Lord, break our hearts. Give us your eyes, your view of the people around us. So let me invite you now. Move around if you need to. Get in whatever 
uh, situation you want to to pray, and we're going to take the next few minutes and pray together. So let me invite you to do that now. In John 4, 34 and 35, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say that there are yet four months and then the harvest comes? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, that they are white for the harvest. Heavenly Father, we praise your holy name. Thank you so much for choosing in your miraculous plan of redemption to use us, Father, as proclaimers of the good news. Lord, as we just read, as we needed to regularly be reminded that we are surrounded by a ripe harvest. Father, please turn our eyes away from everything that is blocking everything that's blocking our sight, Father, of the lost around us, Father, from ourselves, from our our plans, our ambitions, um, our own desires, our busyness, God. Turn our eyes away from that, Lord, as we go home today, as we go to work, to school, as we go to the store, Father, as we're in our neighborhoods, Lord, I pray that we would have eyes as you do to see the lost around us, that you would open our eyes, Father, that we wouldn't be casual observers, but be more like paramedics, Father, responding to, to the scene of a disaster, Lord. Lord, moved in our hearts, God, with that sense of urgency, God, a sense of urgency to respond, to to identify, to assess the need, Father, to minister to those around us. In your name I pray. All right, I'm going to walk us through a second segment, and then we'll break up and pray a little bit more this morning. Uh, if you want to follow along in Scripture, you can. First Timothy chapter 2 is where we're going to be in just a moment. But for us to go make disciples and take this mission very seriously that Jesus has assigned to us, we need to see more than just a big faceless crowd. We need to see individuals, uh, particular names and particular people that maybe even as I mentioned this this, this morning, names are coming to your mind and faces are coming to your mind of people in your sphere of influence, maybe in your family, don't know the Lord, maybe in your workplace, maybe in your school, wherever that is, but particular names of people who are far from God. Now, a practice that we've taken on as a church really for about the past year, and if you're new to the Tri-City, or to Tri-Cities within the last year, maybe you're not aware of what this is, but we last year began challenging all of us to constantly be having at least three names of people that you know in your spheres of influence that do not know Christ, and begin to pray for them by name regularly. If you walk in, even out here in our foyer on those screens, and it's the same at the Johnson City campus, you see all these names, hundreds and hundreds of names scrolling, and maybe you've seen that and said, what in the world is that? Or those are names that you've turned in over the past year of people that are being prayed for. In this church, literally hundreds and hundreds of names of people who are being prayed for that God would save them. And God will bring them to Himself and use us in that process to bring them to repentance and bring them to Christ. So where does that come from, to pray specifically and for people by name? Is that 
lay down in Scripture at all. First Timothy 2, Paul is writing to young Timothy, the pastor there at the church in Ephesus, most likely. And he says to Timothy there, First Timothy chapter 2, he says this, First of all then, I urge you that supplications and prayers and intercessions and thanksgiving be made for all people. For kings and all who are in high position that you may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Now why are we to pray specifically for people? Verse 3 says, this is good and it's pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. This is a good thing. To have as a part of your life, as a part of our church life, that we are praying for particular people by name. Verse 4, why do we do it? Because he, or who, God our Savior, who desires all people, all men and women, boys and girls, to be saved, rescued, and come to the knowledge of the truth. Some great theology there. We pray. It's amazing to realize that God in His eternal plan of drawing men and women to Himself chooses to use us as we pray, chooses to use us as we tell, as we share, as we see differently as He enables us to see because God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So this morning, we've given you a little tool. Many of you have already done this. Some of you, this will simply be a reminder. Some of it, it will be the first time for you. But in the seat in front of you, in the little um, card section, is a card, a little gray card like this, has three blanks on it. I want everybody to pull one of those out. It's perforated. There's two sides. Just grab one of those for a second. I'll kind of show you what that's all about. Our next segment, as we move into prayer, is simply going to be, you're going to spend some time really more on your own instead of breaking up in groups. You're going to specifically spend a few minutes before the Lord asking God to put particular names on your heart and on your mind. In your spheres of influence, that God, let me see them differently. Let me see them as apart from you, that they don't know you. And then you're going to write their names down on this little card. There's two sides. I want to ask you to write them on both sides. So you're just repeating those three names twice. And then we're going to do something really important with this at the end of our service. So in response to 1 Timothy 2 and other places in Scripture, we're going to pray specifically for names of those around us that do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to invite you now just to move into a second season of prayer. If you want to pray with somebody, that's certainly fine. If you want to pray on your own, that's certainly fine. As you're praying, God, put these names on my heart and write those down on the card you have there. All right, let's begin to pray together. Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. Father, may this be our prayer. Father, may we start each day in dependence on you, Father, and what you're going to do. And you say in your word, Father, that you desire that all, that none should perish and that all come to know you, Father. I thank you for that. I thank you for that truth. I thank you that we can declare and proclaim that truth, Lord. And the folks in our life that we think, You know, I'm with Mike. Sometimes I think, Lord, they're so far. They're so far. But you can save. You saved me. And I thank you for that, Lord. And I thank you for this church, Father. I thank you for the leadership here and the heart of our leadership and the folks in this church, Lord, that we do desire to see more and more from every nation, tongue and tribe, Father, come to know you, God. And the nations are here. They're in the Tri-Cities. They're in our backyard, Lord. And uh, I have the privilege of 
working with folks from the nations every day, Lord God. I just pray that you would change my heart. Give me your eyes, Lord. Give us your eyes. Give us your heart as a church family, Lord. We can't do anything apart from you, Lord. It's your power. It's nothing that we're doing. And Father, I pray that we would be a people of prayer at Tri-Cities, God, that we would be expectant in the power and dependent on the power of God and that we're living for the kingdom of God and that there's no divide, just that we are just so focused on Jesus and the kingdom, God. And I pray that for this church and I thank you for what you're doing in this church. And Lord, I pray that we're looking to join in on your activity, what you're already doing in this community and in this city. Give us three names, give us six names, God, that we can, people that we're praying for individually, Lord, that we, again, that we're abiding, we're walking with you, and it's just an overflow of the Lord Jesus Christ. We just pray that you would lay these uh, names on our hearts, Lord. In Jesus' name, I thank you. Amen. Well, we're going to move on to our third segment of prayer this morning. So if you want to follow along, you can turn to Acts chapter 4 is where we're going to look at in just a moment. Acts 4.29. So sometimes we have to ask ourselves, what is it, Lord, as believers who love you and walk with you and know you that hinder us at times from telling people about you? I ask myself that. I mean, I'm one that struggles at times with the same things that we all struggle with. I have that friend and that neighbor, and the Lord seems to be working in their lives, and sometimes there's this challenge to crossing those lines, if you will, to speak the truth in love, always in love. So what is it that hinders us sometimes? Well, sometimes maybe it's distraction, kind of like Stephanie was praying and Eric was praying before. Maybe we're, maybe we're just distracted sometimes. I know that's me. There's so many things that our heart gets focused on and our time gets spent on. And yet at the same time, Jesus clearly calls us to this as the overflow of our relationship with Him. Uh, sometimes maybe it's, and I fall into this trap too, I'm just so busy. Lord, I, I don't have time to add anything else to my busy routine with work and school and family and ball field, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But understand, as Jesus teaches and his disciples heard, and as we want to continue to teach here, living on mission is not adding something else to your life. It's realizing that where I'm living, at the workplace, on the ball field, in the classroom, that is the mission field God's called me to. I'm not adding something else to my life. I'm shifting the way I see it to see I'm a missionary there. I'm the light there. I'm the salt there. As we walk with Jesus, as we're just so overwhelmed with who He is, it, it's, not, listen, it's not a pastor up here trying to guilt you into something. You're not going to hear that. It's not trying to drive us into something that never works. It's the idea as we abide in Christ, we are, we are overwhelmed with what He's done in our lives. Is it not a miracle that Jesus Christ saved you? It's a miracle. I mean, we like to hold out these movie stars sometimes and people that we go, man, it was a miracle that they were ever saved. Listen, that I'm even saying the name of Jesus is a miracle. And you too. 
And our prayer is here that we are so overwhelmed as we abide in Christ. We are so thankful of, of who He is and what He's done in our lives. How can we keep from telling and sharing that with people? We are immersed with bread from heaven. How could we not give it to that beggar without bread? That's the world without Christ. So, what are some of those things that hinder us from time to time? Well, in the early church... Acts chapter 4, they had a major hindrance that, was, that were, was keeping them from speaking the gospel at times, and it was fear. They were afraid. So what were they afraid of? Well, they were afraid of the same authorities <laughs> that had crucified Jesus were still around. And, and, and we didn't necessarily plan it this way, but man, I'm so thankful for God bringing Chansimone here this morning. What we read in Acts chapter 4, you understand, still happens all over the world today that your brothers and sisters, at risk of their lives, are telling people about Jesus, and sometimes it costs them their lives. And I also believe, I hope I don't sound like a prophet here, but I think it's the reality it is going to begin to cost us more and more and more in the United States of America to hold out the name of Jesus. It's going to cost us more. You've got to see that handwriting on the wall. There's a purging going on of the church that if what you have is not real, you're not going to risk everything for Christ that you don't know. But a Christ you do know, you're willing to risk whatever it takes. So that's what's going on in the early church here. Acts 4, they were facing persecution as the gospel continued to spread from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and on out. And the Bible says, and now, as they were praying, and now, Lord, look upon their threats, that was their persecutors, and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Boldness doesn't mean rudeness. Boldness doesn't mean religious arrogance that says, I am so godly and you're not. It is boldness by the power of the Spirit of God to cross whatever barriers there because of, the, because of Christ in you, because you want that person to know. You want them to know. The message of the gospel. They were praying for boldness because they were afraid for their lives. They had legitimate reasons to back off and tone it down, if you will. They were praying for a spirit-enabled empowerment and energy to boldly share Christ. What was the result? I love this. And when they had prayed, kind of like what we're doing here this morning, the place where they were gathered together was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued. I love that. They were filled with the Spirit. They were empowered by the Spirit. They were enabled by the Spirit of God. And they continued. I love the word continued. Plenty of obstacles. Plenty of reasons not to continue. Plenty of self-preservation thoughts of why I can't do that. And they laid all that aside. They died to self. They were granted boldness and they continued. To speak the word of God with all boldness. So we're going to pray that for one another. I'm going to pray that in your groups here in just a second. I'm going to invite you to come back into your groups. And if you've been around Tri-Cities very long, you know that uh, three times on Sunday, twice here in Johnson City, we end every Sunday morning service by prayer, something like this, to send you out, to send us out. God, give us boldness as we go. Give us eyes to see. God, give us a heart of compassion and give us boldness 
to take those steps, sometimes that are uncomfortable, sometimes they're awkward, not rude, not unloving, not religiously arrogant. That's not the idea. But in great brokenness, Lord, give us boldness to go because eternity really is in the balance. So right now I want to invite you. We're going to come back in our groups. I want to ask you to pray for one another, pray for boldness, pray for our church, pray that we would be a people in love who goes out with boldness sharing the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's pray together. Go ahead and circle back up in your groups and let's spend a few minutes in this last segment of prayer. Ephesians six nineteen, Paul asked the church to do this. He says, And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. Father, I pray that you would give every person in here boldness to make known the mystery of your gospel. God, please give us faith. Let us be convinced in our hearts that what we have to share is the best news, the best thing that could ever be shared with anybody, God. Convince us that when we talk to people about you, we're not burdening them. We're not um, annoying them. We're doing the most wonderful thing, the most wonderful gift we could ever give to them, God. Let us be so convinced of that that we're bold, that we take a chance, that we don't let fear hold us back, that we don't let distraction hold us back, God, but that we make opportunities and we speak in your spirit and in your power. I ask that you would work in our lives, that you would shake our hearts, God that you'd fill us with your spirit. And when we speak your words, it would be you that was speaking to people and convicting people's hearts. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, if you'll just remain standing for a second, we're going to close this time and end our services and dismiss you in just a second. We're going to do it a little different this morning. First, uh, if you're here and you hear all this this morning and you have a lot of questions about what it really means to know Jesus Christ. Uh, we are here to pray with you, answer any questions you have. You may have come with someone. Ask them. Say, well, what is it that's different about you? Tell me this Jesus that I'm hearing about. Or if you didn't and you want to talk with somebody this morning, when we dismiss, just a couple minutes, right through those doors to the left, an area called the Hub. A team of people ready to pray with you, talk with you, and explain very clearly what it means to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. I invite you plead with you to do that this morning before you leave. Uh, secondly, uh, if we, uh, you've been in our church, you've probably seen something like this. If we were sending out a missionary or a, God had raised up a missionary out of our church and we were sending them to the ends of the earth or another nation or something, we would do something called a commissioning and send that missionary out and we'd all be praying over that missionary and sending them out. Well, this morning after what we prayed and what we've done, we kind of thought through some of our leaders. How can we symbolize that for you? That you are on mission. When you leave here, if you're a follower of Christ, you enter the mission field and you're a witness. So the way we're going to end this morning, I want you to grab these cards again that you put these names. Just kind of hold those for a second. Um, I don't know if I explained it right, but it should be the same name on both sides. You've just made a duplicate. If you didn't, that's okay. Don't worry. But it should have the same names on both sides. Just kind of tear that apart. One of these you're going to keep, keep in your Bible, a place to pray. And the other we're going to ask you to turn in so we can keep a record of these and put them out there on the screens. Just first names, that's all we need. 
Anyway, we're going to end our service this morning. In just a second, I'm going to ask you to bring this card and step out from where you're standing and come down front and just lay it on the steps here, lay it on the stage, wherever you'd like, as a symbol to say, Lord, I'm entrusting this person to you. It's a symbolizing prayer. We're laying this name before you. And then I'm just going to ask you to just kind of remain down here for a second. Just stand down here. You have room for everybody. And I'm going to pray a prayer of commissioning over us as a church. We kind of do it every Sunday. We want it to be a little different today. And then when I say amen, we're done. We're dismissed. And we are leaving on mission this morning. All right. So at this time, I want to invite you just to begin to move from where you're standing. Come on down. Lay these on the steps, the stage. And just kind of remain down front for a few minutes. And I'm going to pray over you. And we're going to end this time. you to do something, I want you to just kind of look around. Look to your right, look to your left, and see you're not an audience. You're part of something big. You're part of an army. And the words of Jesus there in Acts 1 to the early church, exact same words to you. You receive power. You are my witnesses. Right where you are, to the ends of the earth. So I'm going to pray for you, pray over you. And then we'll be dismissed and we'll go as an army on mission, all right? Will you bow your head and will you pray with me? Maybe even pray for the person who's on your right and for on your left this morning as we go. Father, thank you for this church family. God, thank you for the men and women who are standing here. Lord, they're standing here because you've redeemed us. God, you reached down and you plucked us out. And saved us and forgave us. Lord, the only thing we have to boast about is what you have done in us. Lord, now, Father, I pray a a prayer of boldness and compassion, Lord, that we have eyes like you have. Lord, I I pray that we have names on our hearts of men and women and boys and girls and students and teachers and co-workers and teammates now, Lord, on our hearts. And Lord, we go out now with boldness. Looking for opportunities that you give us, Lord, with sensitivity, with love, but great clarity of the gospel to live life every moment on mission for Jesus' sake. We love you because you first loved us. And all God's people said together, amen and amen. Church, love you.